You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. the chasers of light, to the purveyors of pictures, to all of you listening, this is the F11 Photography Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Deal, along with your other host, Brandon Gorey. Hey, how we doing? And today's episode is an episode that Brandon and I have been chomping at the bit to get to for a while. It's the episode about models. Uh, we work with models all the time. And so we want to do an episode about models from the perspective of photographers. So the things we're going to touch up on today, we're going to talk about you know, how we went about developing our portfolio, going out, reaching to models, reaching out to models, maybe getting yourself from not having relationships with models all the way up to working with agencies, uh, which may be the goals of some of you who are listening to this episode. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what we're looking for in models for certain types of projects. We're going to tell war stories about models, uh, you know, good stories, bad stories, whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, we're talking about the types of models that we work with. We're going to talk about maybe your workflow, how we handle models on set. I think I want to first start off with the development and how we got to working with models, the models that we work with today. And I'm going to start off with you, Brandon. I want you to talk to the listeners about, because you, you, like me, you work with models with agencies. And so I'd love to hear the story about how you went from somebody, uh, as you talked about in the first episode of taking pictures of yourself and alleyways and stuff and being kind of a dork <laughs> and all that. And now all of a sudden, you know, yeah. you're working with some, some pretty awesome uh, agencies. So uh, how did you uh, get to that point with models? Well, thank you, Kevin. Um, that's a great question. I, I love how I feel like I have to answer this like I'm a news reporter. Like, thanks, Kevin. We're here today in Tallahassee, Florida. No. Um, yeah, no, I started shooting myself and uh, starting photography. The inkling of an idea sprouted in my mind. And I thought, why don't I start taking photos of models? This is probably a thought that a lot of people have had or might have had or are going to have as a photographer and so shooting with models getting started is really it's it's classic it's the instagram game so you see someone on instagram you want to work with you reach out to them in in the most professional way you know how to at the time which is hey i'm a photographer in this city i, I think your work is amazing you think you you and I could work together sometime and then you, you kind of spit that out, out at them and thank God the text is clean it, it, like much cleaner than it's it is in your mind because usually it's it's it was nerve-wracking it was nerve-wracking for me to uh, to send those messages out so fast forward uh, years later and you exhaust the general population of non-signed models in your city uh, the ones that you want to work with, at least. And you decide, okay, um, 
I want to I want to up the game a little bit. I want to I want the quality to increase in my photos, and I want uh, I want talent that you know it's it's not amateurish. You know, you want to believe the what you're seeing in front of you. And that's not to say that non-sign models don't know what they're doing, because you know it's oftentimes non-sign models uh, that I work with. Um, they know their angles and they know their positioning better than sign models. It's the it's the damnedest thing, and you know don't let that uh, <laughs> don't let sign versus not sign get in the way of your work ever. But um, a lot of it is. Re- is building your portfolio to a place where you're confident enough to pitch to agencies to test with them. And, and then, you know, once you start working with the agencies, then you start working with the models and working with sign models is a little bit different than working with regular models. Uh, when you're working with sign models, there are some expectations of, of, of what you are meant to capture and what you are meant to deliver and, you know, full body versus, versus close-up portrait versus three-quarter shots. The, you know, there's those the general templates as well as, you know, specific moods and having in mind what you're filling out for the book. But a lot of it is just emailing it, uh, emailing. A lot of it is just talking to people, talking to agencies. A lot of it's getting in touch with, with other photographers. Oh, how did, you know, do you have a way in to, to talk to this agency or do you think you could give me so-and-so's number? Um, but yeah, all of it is just talking and, and knowing where your work is and making sure that your work and your portfolio is presentable enough to pitch to, to agencies. Right. And uh, that's very similar to, the game I play on Instagram and all that. So in the Instagram game, what I will usually do, and this is just a method, because the thing is, is you got to understand, especially with uh, female models, they get so many uh, messages in their DMs every day from just stupid men, you know, Uh, hey, I want to marry you. And just like literally any lewd uh, message you can think of, they're they're sent on a daily basis. So you really do have to stand out and be thoughtful. And so my method has always been to not slide into their DMs. Uh, A lot of times uh, I'll, you know, if I see a model, like, oh, they would be good for such and such project. I'd like to work with them someday. I'll start liking their stuff, maybe leave a comment saying, hey, nice set. And then a lot of times you'll see that they'll start following you and start liking your stuff. And like, okay, that kind of sets the groundwork. And then I spend maybe days, months, or so. I don't know. It depends or anything in between, depending on how long I feel like it's time to start reaching out to them when I get to that point, then I'll do it. And then it'll just be like, um, in a comment, because especially if they like leave a comment on your work, like, oh, I love this. I, I don't know what the kids today love to say obsessed. So like obsessed, they say that on like one of my shots. And I'm like, okay, well, if they're obsessed with my work, uh, even though I think that that's a little bit of an exaggeration of the use of that word, uh, that seems like to open the door to the next time I leave a comment being like, wow, this is a nice set. If you're uh, ever wanting to work together, you know, just let me know. And I usually like that. You don't come across as creepy. Uh, you, you know, you, you come across as a professional. And at that point, you've established a back and forth rapport with them as well. They clearly like your work because they're leaving comments on your work. Um, but before you even get to that level, another place where you can go besides Instagram, and you have to be careful on this one, uh, is Facebook has in your wherever you live – Chances are, whether you live in London or you live in Austin or you live in New York or whatever, you live in Wahoo, Nebraska, um, there's probably a Facebook model and photographer group around you in the general vicinity of where you live, which is a place for photographers and models to connect. And 
this is, make no mistake, this is the bottom. Like this is where you will not only get people who are as inexperienced as you at, at, at photography looking for models, you will get models at the very ground level looking for photographers here. So the, this is a good thing uh, for starting out to learn how to work with models. I do recommend it, but I also recommend you get out of that as quickly as possible. And here's why. A piece of advice that I give everybody is always try to work with people. Like if you think of, if you think of how, where you are in tiers, let's say you're like at the second tier, reach a tier or two above you and try to find somebody that you want to work with. It's a tier or two above you, whether it's a makeup artist or a stylist or a model, find a model that maybe is an agency model and you haven't worked with one before. Go reach out to them. Like when, you know, use, use the, 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 uh, the methods that I gave you don't like sign in their DMS, but aim high because what will happen is, is all of a sudden you'll get experience working with a really experienced and talented model and you'll learn quickly like oh okay that they're super talented and they elevate your work to another level see your work is one tier below that model now you've worked with that model and now your work you actually have work that is on the same tier as that model and you know who follows that model other models who are on their tier and sometimes models who are even above their tier follow them and they might start seeing your work and following you. So sometimes I'll be working with a very well-followed model on Instagram. I'll work with them. We'll do a collaboration post. They'll post it up and then all of a sudden like six or seven of their friends will start following me and they live in the same town and they're a lot of them are signed to the same agency. And as you do that, you start getting the eyes of the agency. So like there's an agency in Austin that I'm a roster photographer for now. And it's because I've worked with like a dozen of their models at this point. And so they keep seeing my work. And so one of the models one, one day was like, hey, you should just, you know, send your stuff over to the agency and see about getting set up as one of their roster photographers, one of the recommended photographers. So what that is, if you're not familiar, is like when they sign new models, they're like, okay, you need to go build your portfolio. And here's four photographers we recommend you reach out to. And then I'm one of those four photographers. Uh, and so that you can get to that point, but you have to work with that talent. And uh, But a, a, a differentiation I want to make that Brandon touched on is it's not just about the agency models. As a matter of fact, um, if you – asked me to make my, and I'm not going to name names here for sure, but if you asked me to like make a top 10 list of my favorite models that I like to work with here in Austin, at least half of them are unsigned. And the unsigned ones I work with, as Brandon also alluded to, a lot of them know their bodies much better than the agency models do. And so uh, that's, I mean, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for models who I don't have to do a lot of direction with. And we'll, we'll touch up on that a little bit more uh, here about what we're looking for in models. But I wanted to lay the groundwork for you new listeners uh, and maybe not even new listeners, but people who are new to going out and finding models that the blueprints to get to that point, it's not difficult if you know what you're doing. Obviously, your the quality of your work has to be good enough, and hopefully that's something that you're working on. Uh, but but you, you, know, you need to know how to do it because if you're just like super awkward – uh, you will drive people away and get a weird reputation. Like I've actually crashed and burned uh, on, on a communication once and I'll tell a funny story of where I failed. So I have an infrared camera and an infrared camera is like calling a hot tub a jacuzzi. It's just a general like definition of a camera. It's not actually just an infrared camera. So a real brief uh, summary and most of you photographers can follow along here. We see Roy G. Biv, right? The, the visible spectrum of light. 
but then below that, you've got infrared, and above that on the high frequencies, you have ultraviolet. I have what's called a full-spectrum camera. It sees infrared, and it sees ultraviolet. And I have this project that I'm working on where I want to use ultraviolet, and I want to shoot beauty with it. The thing is, is that ultraviolet uh, cameras are usually used for forensics. Like if somebody gets like bludgeoned to death, you can see like all the blunt force trauma underneath their skin. They're not really used for that, uh, but you, the, the nice thing about them is they'll pull freckles out that you, 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 you know, you've never seen before. So anyway, I, I got to tell my crash and burn story. I was just like, there's this model who kept liking my work and I was just like feeling a little confident that day because I'd left a couple of uh, uh, comments on their stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to slide into the DMS. I'm going to do it. And I was just like, Hey, I, it, there's just, I just didn't do a very good job of explaining it. I probably should have left out the forensics part because <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, like, yeah, so this is usually used for forensics, but I want to like, I want to like repurpose it for beauty because you have amazing freckles and I want to pull them out. She probably thought I was going to turn her into a lampshade or something. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. so like uh, you know, make sure you uh, make sure you you construct your your uh, your DMs a little better. Sometimes you sometimes you, you just shoot and miss, and I'm usually pretty good about constructing uh, my DMs or my emails. But I totally missed that day. But one thing I do want to touch up on is when you start off when you start out with models, you know, it really is that game of Instagram back and forth type stuff. But when you start getting to the agency level, like if you want to, like if you have an idea for a concept. You can go approach an agency, but you have to have your stuff together. So like you have to have a mood board put together and what you'll do is you'll approach an agency and I'll, I'll have Brandon comment on this if he does the same thing, but you, you put a mood board together for a concept and you send that to the agency and then the agency comes back at you with, Hey, here's your choice of models that you could use for this, uh, this particular concept. If you want to build your portfolio, sometimes you have to pay the, the models to do that. And other times, if it's a situation where they have a new, and this is, this is typically what I do. I'll do testing and I'll help models build their portfolios out. And I just kind of like do a, a bit of a trade where it's like, okay, I know you need some headshots. I know you need some of this and that, but I also want to do some more creative concepts. So can we work out a trade? And sometimes agencies will play ball with you on that, but you have to have your stuff much better prepared when you approach an agency about it because there's a lot more tied to it, the reputation, the quality of the work that they want to see their models participating in. And so, you know, you don't just start off going to like next models and going, Hey, I got this great idea for a concept. And you go to your Instagram and it's like, you're taking pictures of like just people out in fields and stuff. And you're not working with like really awesome models. That's, that's pretty much been my experience. Um, I, I very much hold the belief and I think a lot of people will disagree with me here, or maybe they'll agree, but I'm more, I'm more conservative. Basically I, I, before I pitch to an agency, I have to be 200% sure that what I have in my portfolio is, is a yes. Um, I, I'm a firm believer in build yourself to a place where people cannot say no, because your work is just that good. Um, so that being said, uh, yeah, pitch to an agency when you have an idea um, pitch to an agency that uh, the idea that an idea that is in line and thematically in line with what they will see in your portfolio, your website, your Instagram. You know, the last thing an agency wants is for you to to pitch your test or experimental ideas on them. They don't want to be. They don't want to bear the burden of of your bullshit. So, pitch an idea that's going to be in line with with what you can accomplish. If you if you want to like you know think outside the box a little bit or push the envelope a little bit, fair enough, but you don't want to be trying out new things 
with an agency's models and let the let the agency bear the burden of wasting their time and and the model's time for something that you didn't uh, beat out correctly. And so, as well as that, yeah, uh, uh, as Kevin said, they'll give you a roster of models uh, to work with. And, you know, obviously your next step is to look at what the models can accomplish. Because just because they look good, like, you're going to get that roster of models and you're going to think, oh my god, like, they're all so shiny, like, they, like everything's immaculate, their book looks amazing, all the shots are great. You really have to read between the lines and see which model is best for you because you never know which of those shots came down to the direction of the photographer versus the inspiration and just the talent of the model. Yeah, and that leads me to – so I was talking about earlier how models uh, deal with uh, dudes sliding in their DMs who are kind of weird and creepy. Uh, Something I deal with, uh, you know, as a portrait – photographer who shoots models and does editorials and all that. I still do like regular portrait sessions too. And something that I find that I run into a lot is I have these uh, people slide into my DMS who will see me shoot professional models who are just amazing, know their bodies inside and out in front of a camera, take very little direction, need very little direction are going to come up with a way better ideas than I'm going to come up with anyway. They see that and they want to look just like that. And I, I, I cannot caution you enough uh, while you do as a photographer need to learn how to direct. Um, if your goal is to shoot professional models, you need to work with people who don't need to be directed uh, because, and I'll, I'll explain why, because I get this all the time. I get these, uh, these women who, you know, it's, you know this. You know you grew up with some somebody, whatever. You're in high school and you hear somebody say, oh, you're so beautiful. You should be a model. And uh, we're about to, we're about to uh, uh, take this uh, journey into what we're looking for in a model because this all ties together. Like the, the, These women who are always like put together at all times and they're, they're really, really pretty. And, and they think that that's all they need to do. It's like, well, I'm pretty. And I, I, that, may, that means that I can make a great model. And what's funny about that is the majority of the models that I work with, they look like shit when they're not on set. They just like dress all frumpy. They don't have makeup on because they're, they know their body so well and they know themselves so well. And they're so confident with themselves and the way they carry themselves. Like I don't have to be put together at all times. I get put together on set all the time and then they have this switch that they can flip on and off. And, and I, I noticed the majority of the models who I enjoy working with, that just happens to also be their personality and the way they conduct themselves. And so I get these women who slide into my DMS and they want to work with me. And I have a very realistic conversation with them. I'm like, look, your ceiling, if you're not a professional model, your ceiling is that model's floor. And I'm not saying that to be an asshole. I'm saying that because when you see that model nail that pose, they are doing it with so little effort because they know what they're doing. They know themselves inside and out. I'm going to have to coach you to that pose. And therefore, that is your ceiling. They can take their stuff and elevate it to a level that you cannot because you are not a professional model. At the end of the day, I can tell you and coach you to get your body into a certain place. But because you didn't arrive there naturally, you had to be coached. There's always going to be like this something that's off about the image that you're being coached, that you're thinking too much, that you're too tense, your shoulders are not relaxed enough. Like I can't shape you into uh, the perfect model. You have to be that. And to, to, to make further commentary on that, you know, when I'm directing models, I just want to make micro adjustments. The things that the model cannot see with their own eyes because they are not looking through the lens, 
that is the maximum amount of coaching I want to give a model. And if I have to do anything beyond that, it's usually not as good of a picture. And so these models, they slide in my DMs and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture. I'll, I'll do a, a photo session with you. Uh, you can book me for that. And here's my rates and all that. But we're going to, if you don't know your body, like we are not going to like, you're not going to look like you, you, you're a Ford model. I'm sorry. Like there's a reason why Ford models are Ford models. It's because Ford models are like cream of the crop. And if, if you are cream of the crop in terms of knowing your body and modeling, you'd be with Ford or Wilhelmina or whoever. Yeah. And I feel like the best, the best that a photographer should be doing uh, is something that I personally do is you want to facilitate a space. You want to facilitate an environment where they feel comfortable, where the model feels uncomfortable, if not empowered. I hate that word empowered because it's tied to so many just political. I hate that word. It's, it's, I hate empowered. So gross, but you want them to feel like they can take hold of the space that they're in with you and they can just, they can bring it to the top of the stage, to the edge of the stage and present it to you as comfortably and and as confidently as possible. So, yeah, yeah. as Kevin said, if you're in the director's chair for the majority of the shoot, here's what's happening, because you've only got so much bandwidth in a shoot. You're missing framing. If you're worried about directing the model and you're worried about their posture, you're missing framing. You're missing shadow falls off, fall off on the face and body. You're missing you're missing light adjustments. Okay, you're missing you're missing shutter speed and aperture adjustments depending on what you're going for. You know you're missing the thoughts about what part of the body you've already shot, what part of the body you need to shoot, and how you want those shots to commingle in in the ending space. So a photographer is juggling all these things behind the scenes and it's, it's, it really is, it's a train, it's a flow train and, and I've, as the shoot goes on, you start tightening and tightening and tightening and adjusting and adjusting and adjusting like micro adjustments on the model, micro adjustments on the light, micro adjustments on framing and you, you will keep adjusting to get that final shot that just, just, just screams out at you after about five to seven minutes of, of, of getting there. That's what you're looking for. If you have to tell the model how to do a pose or how to get there, you're, you're no longer on your way to getting the shot or micro adjusting to the point where you get the shot that you both came there for. It, it disrupts the entire flow. A- absolutely. So if you think about, um, I'm trying to get to this point, I'm trying to get to this end point of the shoot and there's all these obstacles that get in my way. Well, the model not knowing their body and not knowing how to present themselves in front of a camera is an enormous obstacle. And to Brandon's point, I have so much going on in my head when I'm shooting. Sometimes I narrate it out loud, as I uh, alluded to in one of our episodes. But like if you've ever seen um, that that Zach Galifianakis meme where he has all this mathematical shit going on (laughs) around him when he's thinking, that's what's going on in my head when I'm shooting. And the, the more stuff you can remove from that, the, the easier my life is. And I'm always like, what can I do to make this shoot better? Well, the quality of your model can make or break a shoot. I have so many shoots I've done and, you, and they're learning experiences where I, I just go back and I look and it's like, man, it, it, it was the quality of the model. Like I, I executed all my technical stuff, right? I chose the right setting. We chose the right clothes. They just couldn't find a way to translate their personality. And to a degree, it's my job to pull that out of them. And so maybe to an extent I did fail. But at the same time, if you're a model, you have to have a personality that translates on 
on, on camera, especially like the type of photography that I do, uh, which leads me to another topic that I want to talk about is there, I have to choose different types of models for different types of projects. So, you know, I've heard some models in the past complain about me saying, Oh, Kevin doesn't style shoots. Now I do style some shoots. Uh, if, I, if I have a shoot where clothes are a focal point of the shoot, then I'll go get a stylist. But a lot of times I don't get a stylist for a shoot. And the reason why is because the point of the shoot that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to translate this like really complex story about the model. Uh, and the whole point is the personality of the model. I'm trying to pull the personality of the model uh, into my frame. And if I have some designer come in with some weird, crazy, elaborate, like uh, outfit that detracts from the story. And then all of a sudden the story is now focusing on the clothes and not the story and the environment that to me makes the shoot worse. And so oftentimes uh, the best clothes that can translate a model's personality happen to be in their closet already because this model has spent their hard-earned money on these clothes. Uh, when people go out and they buy clothes, clothes are a reflection of our personality. And so a lot of times I'm like, well, no, just go find something in your closet. And so uh, what I've, what my takeaway there is not that, oh, some of these models are prima donnas or whatever. It's just some of these models, they are very focused on fashion, 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 which – in Austin is kind of weird because we're not a fashion forward city, but uh, I, I just know to not use those models for those types of projects. It's a learning experience. I have some models who are just like, hell yeah, I've got stuff in my closet. Let's go shoot right now. I have other models, like literally the first thing that comes out of their mouth when I approach them about a shoot is who's styling it. And it's like, okay. Oh, dude, that's the and, worst. Well, and, and what they want to do, like, like, Literally the first thing on their post is they tag all the brands, which by the way, if you want a pro tip, if you tag Prada and Louis Vuitton and all those, they are not looking at your posts and they don't give a shit about your tag. And so you're not going to make it by tagging Louis Vuitton on really, I could, I could take beautiful photography of you that looks like helmet Newton. Like, like I, maybe I take the best photograph of my entire life of you wearing Louis Vuitton. I promise you, they're still not going to look at your post or give a fuck about it. So yeah, there's only so many guys on the uh, on the payroll at Louis Vuitton, and, and guess what? They're not looking at Instagram. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. I was shooting a model yesterday, actually here in this space, and they well, they weren't a model; they were a client. They reached out to me. They said, "Hey, dude, I, you know, I love your shots. Um, I'd love to have something like that in my portfolio. I'm interested in modeling in the future. And so obviously it's going to be one of those situations where I would be directing and I would be influencing that whole thing. But, you know, because our end goal wasn't to submit to an agency, you know, obviously we could go a different route and we had more bandwidth to do that. But something I told him, and this kind of touches on like, uh, what you were saying about the reflection of a model and who they are based on their clothing and I told this guy yesterday something very similar. I said, there's two types of models out there, um, pretty much. There's the model that when they go to model, they're trying to express an extension of themselves through their th through modeling, right? And and a lot of a lot of unsigned models do that. That's a big thing for unsigned models is they're just expressing something that they enjoy about themselves, something that um, originates from their their imagination, and they're going forward with that. Now, the thing with sign models, which is very is very interesting, is you can look at their photo books online and you can see this persona 
that they're emulating and you just you you make up your mind about what their personality is going to be like before you shoot with them and you're just like oh cool like say they're shooting all this crazy edgy stuff with hard light and like strong shadows and really heavy eyeshadow and you know very edgy edgy stylistic poses frowns scorns you know that whole um that whole look about them in their portfolio. And then you meet them. This actually happened to me with another, with a model the other day that I was shooting for a local agency. I've been a big fan of theirs for the longest time. And they had this super, super edgy portfolio. And then I go to meet them in person and they're a bubbly, smiley, happy. You can tell that they were like, you know, they went to like every night was family dinner night growing up. You know, everyone sat at the table. You could tell that that was their, that was their thing. And it's, it just it just blew me away because for a lot of people in signed agencies it's it is as much of a business decision as it is like a fun decision and you'll see that uh, a lot of models they're either going to be an extension of themselves or they develop an entire persona around modeling. Well, and that's the whole point of why they have digitals. They want to see the raw version of you, whoever that edgy model was, even though they were bubbly. Based off their digitals, that in, that agency said we're going to make you edgy, and that's what we're going to do. But it's interesting you, you point that out like about <clears throat> how agencies try to uh, shape models into being something because uh, I don't want to say it's like a sub-market, but it's just kind of a thing I've been noticing over the last couple of years is because Austin is a commercial market. And so uh, what, what sells in this market is Smiley. You're doing a Google Pixel ad. You're doing something for like Tacova's boots. That's about as good as you're going to get with fashion here. Uh, maybe do some Kendra Scott jewelry. That's it. That's all we got here. Otherwise, you're doing like, uh, you know, stuff for the state or you're doing stuff for the University of Texas or Dell or whatever. And so commercial is how... It works here. However, we have a lot of commercial models in this town who love fashion. And so I actually know a fairly successful commercial model in town, and she always hits me up like, hey, I want to just do like this editorial. Like I just want to get away from what I'm being shaped as, and I just want to go do some personal work. And I, I, I think I'm somewhat developing a reputation for that in this town now as I'm starting to get like the more creative projects from the models who are giving nothing creative. Like, like hold this phone and smile. I'm like, okay. So I, I actually I actually like wear that as a badge of honor that uh, it's like cool because I want to be known as a creative. And so people are seeking me out for creativity. We were talking about people sliding your DMs. Let's talk about the travel model. So real quick, let me hit, let me let me let me set the stage because some of you listening, say, I'm like, I'm like, some of you listening may not this? know what the travel model is. I'll tell you what the travel model is. We all love to be flattered, right? We all love it when somebody reaches out to us and say, "Oh, I love your work. I want to work with you." That's great. That always makes us feel good. And if you don't say that, you're you're lying. But what the travel model is, and I just want to warn you about this up front, the travel model is a copy and paste model. All they do is they take the same message and they paste it into a bunch of people's inboxes. So if you're listening to this and you get someone who's saying, I'm going to be in your town from this date to this date, here are my rates. They didn't say anything nice about your work. They didn't say why you'd be a good fit. And they just go, they're just like, it's, I'm sorry, they're, they're kind of like strippers. It's like, pay me. <laughs> like, like yeah. uh, what? So like, you, like I'm, it's a two-way process here, and all you're doing is telling me what you cost and where you're going to be on what dates. Which, by the way, the other way, the other way they lure you in, and they don't lure me in because I'm susceptible to this shit. But like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fall for this. The, the majority of what they do is nude. I don't pay models unless I'm getting paid, or unless I have some really crazy concept that I just want to do and I need a, a specific model for. I will pay for that out of my own pocket. I think you should, but I have this very. Uh, I have this very rooted belief that if 
I'm getting paid. I need to pay other people. But if I'm not getting paid, for the most part, nobody else is getting paid. You know, the money trickles down. And so uh, if the, the concept of somebody sliding to my inbox unsolicited and saying, hey, I'm going to be in town on these dates. Here's what I cost. Here's my nudes, basically. Like, come, you know, the, whatever you can get away with on Instagram. It's just like so insulting. It's like you, you haven't even looked at my pro. Well, okay. They, they, the, the other thing that they do is they'll just go like, like, the, the last 12 of your shots in a row, they'll just like go, that's all they do all day. Like they just sit at their computers all day as they plan their trip to your town. They go, okay, Austin photographers. And then they'll see like my name pop up and Brandon's name pop up and a few other people's names pop up. And they're just like, it's a numbers game. They'll sit there and they'll like 12 of our posts in a row, the last 12, and then they'll paste their message and then that's it. And then they go on to the next photographer. And so my point being is that if you hear about the, the, uh, if, if, that, if you find yourself in that situation, that's all that's going on. They don't think their work is special. They just want you to pay them. You know, I've had a, I've had one experience with a traveling model. Uh, she was she was really good. She wasn't a nude model. I've had nude models reach out to me, um, and obviously, yeah, yeah, pay for a traveling nude model. It's like it's like no, you you can you can work with literally like your best friend's sister nude, and you probably get better shots. Um, but that being said, no, I did work with, uh, with one chick who's a traveling, uh, traveling model and she didn't charge me and you know, can, can you get, take a guess where we shot? Like what, what was the theme of the shoot? So you shot, you shot at Hippie Hollow because that's the only place in Austin where you can do nudes legally. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't nude. You get one more guess. Yeah. Oh, oh, it was a traveling model. Uh, and you shot, I don't know. We shot out in a field. Oh, you shot out in a field, of course. <laughs> That's the other place that you we, shot out in a field. Yeah, nature shots with a flowy dress out in a field uh, for, for sunset. And that's when I was learning how to become a digital photographer. And I thought it was really interesting, you know, learning up and coming and, um, you know, not working with models for a long time and having someone reach out as a traveling model to work with me. That was extremely flattering because they could have chosen anyone. And I was a small fish in a bigger pond. Go on. Oh, yeah. Well, I've, I've, I have one positive experience with a travel model. And it, she did do nudes, but we didn't do nudes for our, our shoot because that wasn't the concept that either of us wanted to work on. Uh, she's from the Washington, D.C. area, and I met her on Clubhouse. So I actually have spoken to her several times, and I know her. So we, we've been in rooms together, and we've talked. So based off of the fact that I know her, and she has actually talked about my work, and we've shared admiration for each other's work, that then opened the door. I'm like, okay, well, I don't care that she's a travel model because now she's coming down. And I, I paid her. I paid her a couple hundred bucks for an hour's worth of work. Um, cause she had a specific look that I wanted for my portfolio. That's an, you know, and she was traveling. And so I respected that. And I was like, you know what? You have an awesome look. You have a look that I want. I know you're going to be coming into town. You need to be able to make money to go to your next town. I will gladly pay you a couple hundred dollars uh, as a travel model. And I respect you and I respect your work. And I know that you're not, you know, cause like she does do fine art nude stuff, but she does actual fine art nude stuff. Like when she does do her nude stuff. Whereas opposed to like selling sex, which is what most travel models do, because they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to hook just some horny photographer who doesn't have much work. They're like, oh, sweet. I get to work with a nude model because they're like they they miss something in their development process and they haven't gotten over nudity for some reason. They just think it's this taboo thing. And it's like it's not a big deal, man. But anyway, it's just another outfit. 
Yeah, it's no it's no different of a decision as what you're wearing versus what you're not wearing. And if it doesn't make the picture better, you probably shouldn't do it. Like uh, people, we have weird society about if, that. If if the idea of your shoot starts and ends with just seeing some skin, then you <laughs> you should probably do something else. You probably didn't have a good concept to begin with. I mean, there like, like I said, I, I Helmut Newton, Peter Lindbergh, all, all these people, Richard Avedon to lesser extent, um, all these all these photographers that I follow have nudity in their portfolios, but there's way more going on than that. The nudity is the accent. It's, yes. Yeah. Yes. And so that, that, yeah, that they know what they're doing, but you know, I vet models, even, even models who reach out to me, this is something that I've learned. Cause you know, I'll see even in like an agency model will reach out to me and I'll get all excited. Like, Oh, an agency model thinks my work is good, but I've actually, I've actually trained myself to have a little bit of pushback on this because uh, just because somebody is a talented model doesn't mean that they're a good fit for you as a photographer. And so what I've learned to do, and I do this for prospective clients as well who aren't models. And by the way, if they're not a model, I call them subjects. And that sounds a little generic, but if you're not a model and you want me to take your picture and it's a portrait, you're a subject. That's what you are. And that's that, there's nothing wrong with that. I need to start doing that. Yeah, you're a subject, not a model. Um, so what I do now is when somebody reaches out to me, I go – I'm super flattered you're reaching out to me. I just want to make sure that we're a great fit. And I'm not doing this from my ego, but please go through my portfolio and pick out your favorite five shots that I've taken that you want to be shot in that style. Not your favorite five shots of mine, your favorite five shots that you picture like me shooting you in that style. And I actually do that as a kind of my cheat code thing because what, what I'll do is like, oh, I use an 85 millimeter on all five of those shots. So I know that, I, you know, like I'm, I'm taking notes, but I'm also seeing if they're a good fit because like if they go, oh, I don't know. I like all your stuff. It's like, okay, they're not very opinionated and I don't know where the direction is going to be going on this. It's like, I really want us. I mean, if they're paying me. I'll figure out a concept, but if it's like a creative collaboration, it's like, no, 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 you need to, you need to figure out why I'm a good fit for you because I'm flattered that you're reaching out to me and I love that you love my work, but you may not be a good fit for my work. And I've had that in the past where I've gotten excited about reaching or I've gotten excited about working with a model and the model got excited about reach, working with me, but I didn't do that whole vetting process and the shoot didn't turn out very well and they never asked to work with me again. And I realized that they weren't really that great of a model. There's a lot of hype around them, you know, and that's and, the worst is when you get like excited for the experience of working with a model. And then afterwards you walk away realizing like, Oh, they just have a tremendous support network. Like that's all oh, yeah. it is. Yeah, like like, and I see models do this on Instagram, and you know whatever. Like I'll see a model uh, put out a post, and I'll look at it, and the photography's kind of okay, and the model's just not doing anything very specific. It's just, it's not if I'm if if I remove Instagram, and you just take this thing and you frame it and you put it on a wall. I look at it and go, well, what's the what's so big about that? But then they'll have like seven hundred likes in the first like day, and the, 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 it'll get shared like 20 times by their friends. And so like there is this like back back channel network going on with all these models where they're like supporting each other, which is great. It's great that they're supporting each other. But uh, in some cases, they're supporting mediocrity. It's that's, not. Yeah, that's a big part of. And we talked about that with the social media episode because yeah. we we're just like, don't let the likes confuse you. A bad, mediocre photo is still a bad, mediocre photo. Absolutely. And I bought into the hype with this model and uh, happened to be in her town for work. And I was like, yeah, I, I, she's an admirer of my work. She, I'm an admirer of her work. I then I worked with her and I was like, yeah, the well, really, she doesn't 
offer anything like to the camera. Man, I can't stress enough as a photographer, one of the skills you have to develop is knowing how to pick a model because there's going to come it's there's going to come a time where you're going to have to learn to dance with another person and it's it's the it's the total oh god how do I put this the the sum this <laughs> Oh my God, you're two parts of a whole sum. You're not going to be that whole sum on your own. Your work and your workflow and your photography, believe it or not, will increase and will be better with uh, with the choices that you make with a model. So one example of this is, and I think I touched on this earlier, but seriously, when, when, a, when you are presented with a choice of models for a specific idea, for a specific shoot, you need to make sure what is more important for that shoot. The model knowing her poses, is it, is it just the look of the model? Because sometimes you, you get a look of a model who's just like, wow, her just presence look, makes sense for this shoot. And then when it comes down to poses, they fall flat and the shoot loses its life. So you really, really, really have to vet your models and make sure that you get what you're looking for when when you're selecting your models and that they will benefit your portfolio. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I the way I like if I have a very specific project uh with a very specific goal in mind, I I kind of act like water. I take the path of least resistance, the less risky approach. And one of the things that I do is I use the same rotation of models. I have like my top 10 kind of, you know, I don't, I, I don't really know if it's a top 10. I don't keep track of that, but, uh, I look at, uh, uh, the two way relationship between the photographer and the model as like a conversation. And so I have many models I've worked with over, you know, several years now, and I can work with them on a specific project. Maybe we're, maybe we're doing some sort of an editorial shoot out in a field and I have developed that part of our conversation as artists, but then, um, you know, six months down the road, I have some elaborate studio shoot I need to do, but I already know how they photograph and I know what they're capable of doing. And so I say, Hey, I have this studio shoot I want to do. Then they come into the shoot they, they, they come into the studio and it's like, we hit the ground running. We're just continuing our conversation that we have. We just changed the subject. And so I continue this artistic conversation. I don't have to figure out how they photograph. I already know how they photograph. I don't have to introduce myself to them as a photographer and they don't have to introduce themselves to me as a model. That's one of the reasons why I like to use uh, the same models. Uh, but I still look to grow that network. I, I still want to, and for, for several reasons, one, some models move, some models, uh, you know, get out of modeling, whatever they want to become moms or, you know, and, and with men too, I have men, male models I work with like a model. I love to work with just moved to Portland and I'm like, damn it. He was so much fun to work with. Um, so you're going to have this, uh, constant rotation of models coming in and out of your life. Uh, so you still want to build that network. And so what I do the first time I work with a model is I do a very low expectation shoot. I want to get to the core of who they are. And so oftentimes it will just be, let's just go to downtown Austin. I'm going to use like a single lens, like a 35 usually. I'm just going to do some environmental portraits and I just want to kind of tap into how you photograph. And if you, you know, if they're good, we'll get some good stuff out of it, like really good stuff out of it because their their personality will translate to me. And I don't, I don't, I won't use them on some crazy project right off the bat unless I just know, like, you know, if they're an agency model or something like that, and I'm, they have a very established portfolio, and I've done a lot of vetting, and I know that they're like super badass. That's the exception to the rule. I'm, I will definitely swing for the fences a little bit more on that. 
But if it's like a kind of a we're reaching out to each other for the first time, I will go super low expectations, uh, not do anything crazy. And I just want to like kind of tap into how they photograph and figure out what I want to use them for moving forward. I won't usually have a specific concept. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. It's interesting you say that, and I think now is a good time to talk more about like the the actual process of of shooting the models themselves. Um, so I recently worked with an agency, a new agency that uh, reached out to me, and they they uh, they sent me their roster, and I was very happy and excited to see that one of the models on their roster is someone who I I've admired for a while, and so thanks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't model. Yeah, well, <laughs> that Calvin Klein shoot—you you weren't that bad in that one. No, no, I was gonna do the uh, the Burberry shoot, uh, the one with uh, Adam Driver, I think is his name, where he's like a centaur <laughs> coming the, out of the water yeah, or he, something. He used with the horse. Yeah, know. I was I was sick that day, so they they chose him over me, unfortunately. But go on. And you got a haircut, but yeah. So working with this model, it was my first time working with a model, right? And I, I just, you know, you don't know, you get to a place as a photographer where you just have to like realize that you're not going to force a diamond out of coal when, you know, when you, when, when all you're faced with is coal, cause you just don't know, you don't know what they're capable of, um, all the time. You can see what, what they have on their page. Um, but you just don't know their personalities because they're agency sign models. They have their own persona aside from what's going on. And so I, I approached the shoot. I just took a, I just took my, my kit lens, um, old faithful, old reliable. I didn't have any crazy ideas around this shoot. The, the, the agency sent me a mood board. Your F4. Your F4. I know, I know. Right. So we just went to a studio. I had a very vague idea of what I was trying to accomplish. And what we did was I spent the first 10 minutes with her just sitting in front of the thing. I was adjusting the light to make sure it was, you know, right where we wanted it so we could get on a roll and then I just, I, I told her, I said like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to go through a rotation. We've got our simple background. I'm going to be shooting the way I shoot. It's going to be very simple. It's going to be nothing crazy. I need to know what you just do naturally. And I need to get on, I, I need to get on the same page with you. And so we did that for about 30, 35 minutes. We went through her rotation which is what a lot of agency models have is they're not looking to push the envelope. They're looking to go through their rotation of, of the poses they know in, in a way that they know, and it, you know, and the, they're, they're looking to go through that sort of process. And so I went through that process with her and I was just like, okay, we've got some base shots. I get what you're about now. You don't really like, you know, she didn't really push the envelope. She wasn't looking to to toe the line in any way, shape or form. Um, and that has nothing to do with her attitude, by the way. She had a fantastic attitude. But what I'm saying is she stepped into her model shoes and she went through a rotation and that was kind of it. And I captured that. I was like, okay, we've got our base shots now. We've got the, we've got the, the, the shots that are expected of me. Now I'm going to spend the next hour and a half <laughs> of, of this shoot and I'm going to try to find how the hell can you and I synthesize something that's both new for you and new for me. And that's what we did. And that takes a lot of time and a lot of trial and error. There's a lot to be said for that. That's a very, I, I'm very, I'm, I'm cut from the same cloth there. I have a, 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 a basis of, okay, I need to accomplish this at the shoot so I know I get good shots. 
and as you say, you go through the you go through the spectrum of poses, and you're like, all right, we got them, we nailed them. Now let's go create. You got the you got yeah. that shit out of the way. Yeah. We know we know that at the very least you've got these fallbacks if you just fail on the creative side. That's exactly but, yeah. But now it's like, all right, now let's go have some fun. And 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 in to a degree, a lot of times when we do creative collaborations, especially when I'm doing portfolio building uh, for agencies, I mean they expect those base shots. They need them for their book. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But now let's do some creative stuff. And I very rarely have a model get weird about creativity. I was like, well, yeah, let's have fun. I want to see some like shutter drag shit. That looks cool. I don't even know what that is, but that's awesome. And so. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of times agencies are like, oh, those look cool. You know, a lot of times you, you the, the, it's funny, uh, you know, it's the, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Cause if you go to an agency with a bunch of crazy creative stuff, they'll probably say no a lot of the time, but if you just give them what they want, but then also throw in the creative stuff, a lot of times like, oh, that's cool. Even though if you had approached them about it, they would have said no, because yeah. they just can't see the end product. And a lot of times you just can't do a good job of explaining it. They also just want their bottom line covered at the end of the day. At the, at the end of the day, they're there to make money. That's what they're there for. That's why, that's why like, we keep alluding to digitals. They want your digitals as models to see what they can shape you into to create as much money for them and revenue for them as possible. That's why that's why they need your digitals. They don't care how creative of a person you are. They care how much money they can make off of you. And so, uh, and it's it's uh, one one other thing that I think has helped me out quite a bit is you know there's this uh, ego thing about photographers. Photographers are like this is my set, this is my concept, and blah 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 blah. I've always been very much of hey, a lot of the models I work with are pretty creative people. I let them like bring their ideas into a shoot and we work on that together. Sometimes I, and I also don't have an ego about it. Some, there are some shoots I do that are like 100% my idea. I have, um, I have very like, hey, we have to do this look with this kind of makeup, with this kind of backdrop, with this kind of lighting, and you need to do these kinds of poses. I do have some uh, shoots that are, very controlled in that way. None of other shoots that are kind of like model comes in a hundred percent with their own concept. I'm like, awesome. I'm just going to react to what you're telling me because I think that I can, I think based off what you're telling me, I don't have to give you any suggestions or any direction. I think you have a really good, like I did a shoot with this awesome model here in Austin and we wanted to do like this raw earth thing where she's in mud and then she ends up in water. And it's like this kind of purification thing that we're going for this concept. And she told me about, it. I'm like, Okay, so I basically just need to find a mud pit to throw you in and, and some water nearby. And we did, and she did the whole thing herself uh, as far as what to wear, uh, the poses to get into, the things she wanted to do with her hands and all that. And I just I just pulled out a 28 to 70 and started like walking around her and pulled out my RB67 and was capturing some stuff on film. I provided almost no direction on that shoot. And when somebody at the end of the day is looking at my work, they don't know like they could look at a shoot where I was a hundred percent in control of something or look at this shoot where she was in a hundred percent control of the concept at the end of the day, it might go, Hey, this looked like they were taken by the same person, but they don't know all the backstory and all that. And to me, I don't, I'm not into like credit. Like I don't have to sit there and go, Oh, this is a hundred percent my, my idea. And you know, whatever, like I'm, I'm, I'm always like, whatever makes the shoot better, I'm all for. And sometimes that's me taking a back seat and just being reactionary. And in that, the case of that mud shoot, that's exactly what it was. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited that I think this is like I was alluding to earlier is that models a lot of times will come to me with their creative concepts because they've learned that I'm open to them. Whereas some photographers are like, no, 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 it's got to be my way or the highway. Right. And saying that, one of my major, major learning experiences is where I completely 
fucked a shoot from over-directing. So I'll tell you guys the backstory is I came up with this idea to have a sort of brutalist style, like like neo-gothic brutalist uh, style shoot with a model um, during the morning, during the waking hours of the morning. And I sent that, I pitched that idea to an agency and they gave me a roster of models and I chose a model who in her own portfolio had demonstrated an absolute off-the-wall modeling style. I could tell that none of the photographers she, she shot with had made any of these poses. She, you know, she was a yoga instructor and like, um, and like, you know, wellness instructor in her own right, and she just looked like a a force to be reckoned with. She's scowling in some of her photos. She's she's contorting in some of her photos. Super super talented, and I saw that and I was just like, I was just like, oh my goodness. Her, it, you know, the combination of her with, with my work and what I like to shoot is just, this is going to go off. It's going to be amazing, right? And so I, I think, okay, in order to handle that level of creativity, I have to develop a massive framework of how the shoot has to go. I have to develop all these control points to make sure that she doesn't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about anything and we can just explode creatively. Big mistake. So it comes to the shoot. We're doing makeup in, in my place at around 4.30 in the morning to, to start shooting at around 5.45. And I've got all the control points set up. I've got all the, I controlled all the styling. I controlled all the, all the makeup with my, with my makeup artist there. And then, um, and I had a, a complete shot list set out of what I wanted at each of these three morning locations. And what, what ended up happening after a three and a half hour shoot, and it was cloudy that day, so we had darker light for longer, which was nice. What ended up happening is I got the shots back and none of that, none of the shots looked like the, the original model that I wanted to shoot. None of it was character. It wasn't characteristic of her as a model. And what I had ended up doing is she saw all this and I think she saw every like the shot list and she saw all my ideas and she wasn't used to working with anyone who had that sort of creative, well, not creative, but that, that sort of control. And I think she just diffused her own imagination. She just said, Oh, I don't need to do anything. He's got this. And so she took a back seat to her, to her own shoot because I over directed and, and the shots came out super shitty. Of course we had some base ones to work with, but just, I got, I got in the way of, of everything. And you know what the funny thing was, is at around 4.45, around 4.50 in the morning, as she's sitting there getting, you know, having her hair done, um, you know, we're all just drinking coffee and like listening to lo-fi. She goes, you know, thank you so much for taking control on this because no one, you know, usually I'm the one that has to do all this. And so it's, it's nice that you have an idea of what you're looking for. And, and of course, at that time, I'm just thinking like, yeah, I got this. Ended up absolutely blowing it, over-directing the shoot, and the magic was gone. Yeah, oftentimes I find that the best shoots I do are where there's a trade-off. So I'm in some control, but they're in some control. And you got to let cooks cook, right? You know, I mean, it's like if she yeah. just sits there and goes direct me into a like I'm a puppet. Uh, you're, I'm not a ventriloquist. I'm a photographer. I, I never should have directed her. I should have just let her flourish. Yeah, I mean, I, I very rarely direct somebody to an awesome result. They have to get there themselves. And it makes sense because uh, most of modeling, what's interesting about modeling to me, just as a photographer who observes models, modeling for the most part, I mean, yes, you have to like 
contort your body in some interesting positions and all that, but a lot of it is just natural stuff you do anyway, especially like when I direct male models, male models get like nervous and stuff. It's like, dude, like when you sit there and you're standing there at a bus stop and you got your hands in your back pockets, a lot of times that's what like, it looks like when you're modeling in front of the camera, it's just, I put a camera in front of you and you get all fucking weird. And you're like, I don't know what to do with my hands. It's like, do what you normally, you have pockets, put your hands in your pockets, you know, like the only thing I might say, drop your shoulder a little bit or something like that, or relax your shoulder or whatever, you know, like stick your elbow out a little bit more, turn your jawline. That's that's about all the amount of direction. I'm, I'm making micro adjustments to get to a really good picture, but in general, I'm just letting you do your thing. Yeah. Play with the invisible ball if you have to, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, uh, you know, a lot of times I give people something, just put something in your hands and play around with it or whatever, or just adjust your, adjust your sleeves. That's actually, that's a really good point. And we haven't even touched on that is for, for photographers starting out and you do not know what the fuck to do with direction, build your shoots around a prop, build yeah. your shoots around something that gives you an inherent direction, like an umbrella. You're going to take shots swinging. You're going to take shots opening. You're going to take shots of it on your shoulder. Like work with a prop, and that gives you the idea of of where where limbs and 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 form and posture should be. Oh, hundred percent. I was working. I was doing a portfolio development for an agency here in Austin last week, and I had a male model, you know, brand new off the streets, never modeled in his life. And in general, he actually had some really good natural talent. He knew what to do with his hands. And so, I mean, I'm like, okay, this guy's got a lot of potential, but we kind of hit a wall at one point. And I just, there's a hammer. There's like a hammer in our studio here. And I grabbed the hammer and I said, play around with this hammer in front of the camera. He started tossing it around and having fun with it and just doing stuff. And I got a bunch of good pictures. As a matter of fact, he just uh, posted all the shots from our set uh, that he loved. And he, he let off with the shot with the hammer. Because because you're not thinking at that point about a camera being in front of you. You're thinking about playing with a hammer. And you, it's just something you normally do. It's like you're just kind of, whatever, flipping a hammer around and catching it or whatever. Isn't, isn't that fascinating that as 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 audience members to our own work and just in general, like we find it more interesting to see a human being immersed in playing with a random bullshit object than posing with that object. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Because that's all at the end of the day, posing is supposed to look like is supposed to, I mean, something that you're doing natural. Now, if you're doing some crazy, you know, like I don't, I think the most outrageous uh, posing I see is not even a genre that I do, which is boudoir. Cause you're getting people in these weird uh, twisty positions. Then uh, they're usually non-models. I cringe at such as somebody who likes looking at the female form. I can't find a genre of photography that bores me more than boudoir. (laughs) Uh, That that and sexy cheetah print swimwear shoots. Oh my God. Or, or, or the other one where like, uh, the, the, the woman in the bikini standing next to the car. Oh no. It's like, what is this? A fucking white snake video. Like, you, you know, you can make, uh, you can make somebody look, 10 times more amazing than that I can without just, having the car or the cheetah print or the boudoir. Like you can, you can make somebody like wear just like a badass jacket and, and jeans and make them look way cooler than that. You I'm can smell the vape juice off camera with those <laughs> shoes. <laughs> oh yeah. So they're, they're, they're terrible. And well, the, the, and of course the thing with the, the, the model next to the car, they look like an accessory. And, 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 and if you're a model listening to this, like, and you're trying to build your portfolio, just from a photographer's perspective, if I'm flipping through your portfolio and this is, I think this is something we talk about is what we're looking for as photographers, what we're looking for in a model. If I flip through your portfolio and I see boudoir, if I see you in a bikini standing next to a car as if you're an accessory to the car, because just look at this hot, hot chick next to a car, uh, cemetery shoot for sure. Yeah. <laughs> cemetery shoots. Um, the, uh, the only exception I'll make is I actually do 
maybe want to do a cemetery shoot in New Orleans because their cemeteries are way cooler. I think I can actually add something to that. Maybe one day. Voodoo. But, voodoo, baby. But like, if you look like you're being shot as a fantasy of the photographer, that type of photography and that type of modeling turns me off. I'm just like, I don't want to work with that person. Like, it's just immediate, like, no. What are what are some other things that you see that when you're flipping through someone's portfolio, you're like, next. Oh, God. I'll tell you, I had a model reach out to me, unsigned model, and this shit's not in my portfolio, Kevin. None of this shit is in my portfolio. She goes, hey, I want to get some false elf ears and do a fantasy shoot <laughs> in the fucking forest. I'm like... Why the fuck would you choose me for that? Like, are you kidding me? Have you seen my portfolio? Do I do I look like I do Lord of the Rings shoots? Oh my god, no! It's just well, like, like, yeah. Let me just go get like a quick harp, and we'll we'll get the yeah, we'll get the the oh my god, the hermaphrodite horse make horse guy with a bow and arrow, and we'll do the whole <laughs> thing. Like, let's go. Yeah, yeah. At least know at least know your photographer. But yeah, I I just you know look at my portfolio if you're a model. Look at my portfolio, and if you see yourself, that's why I do that. That's why I do the pick your favorite five shots of mine because if you start going through my portfolio and you're struggling to find stuff that looks like the style you want to be shot in, I'm not a good fit for you. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. I've, I've struggled with this, and this is something that you won't, it's not inherent, or at least it wasn't for me. Maybe it will be for you because you're probably more clear of mind than I am on most days. Hell yeah. You need to know in a shoot whether you are shooting the model or the clothes because those are two separate shoots. You don't want to shoot clothes and have the model there looking deep into the camera making some sort of emotive expression, you know, in a close-up portrait. You want to shoot the clothes with the environment. The model is just a mannequin. And a pro tip. If you're a photographer shooting clothes, this is not the time to be shooting at 1.2 if the clothes are the star of the show. Because if you shoot at 1.2 and the clothes start having focus fall off, you're not doing what's best for the clothes. This is the time to, at the very least, stop down to f5.6, if not more, especially if you're getting up close. You may even be shooting at f11 in this situation because if the whole point is the clothes, the clothes need to be in focus. And um, honestly, if it's an environmental portrait, you want your environment to be in focus too. Now, sometimes I do shoot at 1.2 in environmental portraits. I'm guilty of that. But um, I also, when I'm shooting like at 85 millimeters, I'm usually about 20 feet away from the model. And so you can actually shoot at 1.2 if you're 20 feet away and have all the clothes be in focus. But if you're getting up close, don't don't forget to stop down because if you send that stuff back to the designer, and I, I was guilty of this early on. Like when, when I, you have a designer who's like, hey – None of my clothes are in focus. You fucked that one up, didn't you? So that's that's a that's a lesson you could uh, learn from this for sure. Um, now I want to shift gears. We're going to tell some more stories. Okay, you ready for some more stories? Oh yeah. Uh, I'll start first, so you have time to think about it. Thank you. Um, I things that models do to piss you off. Okay, I've got a couple stories I'll tell. So. Um, I always tell models, and I communicate with models, and I let models know that hey. I am giving you pictures that are web quality and I've had models on occasion. Uh, like, so th now this is, this is something that if you're a model, you need to watch out for. So one thing I want to tell you is if a magazine pops into your DMS, I don't care what the name of the magazine is. It's not a magazine. It's an online uh, Instagram place that needs you more than you need them. So I had a, I had a, I had a shoot that I, I was in like this creative rut uh, back a couple years ago. 
and it was during the summer and I just, I, I needed, I just needed to shoot. I needed to shoot. And I went into like that, the, the thing I talked about at the beginning, the Facebook groups, I went into a Facebook group and that is where you go find the lowest of the low. Um, and I went into a Facebook group and that is where you find like the most beginner models. And so, uh, I, I just like, Hey, I just want to shoot with somebody. And this model comes in like, I'll shoot with you. And I was like, okay. So I do kind of like some pinup glamor type shoots of her. And it just really isn't my style. And I was just working myself through a funk and I wasn't really proud of the stuff that we did, but I was like, whatever, you know, she was super proud of the stuff we did. And I was like, all right, great. And so I gave it back to her and whatever, I'm never going to post this stuff on Instagram and, uh, whatever time goes by. And all of a sudden, uh, I, I get this, you know, I'm looking at my DMs on Instagram and I don't even know the name of the magazine, but it's like, congratulations, you made the cover of our magazine. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, you guys, you guys submitted your stuff and you made the cover of the magazine. And I'm like, well, I don't give you permission to use my picture for the cover of your magazine. Uh, and he's like, well, it's too late. The magazine's already out. And for those of you who aren't hip to the whole boutique magazine, so what, what it is is, there are these magazines that exist, and I use quotations around magazines because they're not real magazines. Uh, they're 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 vanity magazines, and uh, I think it's like ca caviar, caviar, caviar. They're they have all these vanity magazines, and I'm going to go into a little bit of a sidetrack here because this is something you should listen listen to. If you're a photographer, Brandon and I have said uh, numerous times on this on this show, print your work. Uh, however, maybe just going to your local print house and printing something and putting it on your wall, you're just like, man, whatever. So it may, it may not be like, you may not want to see a specific shoot in this way. So the, these vanity magazines, you can submit your stuff to these vanity magazines and buy them for about the same price as you print eight by tens out for, for each eight by 10. And you know, you have like a five page, six page, six page spread. It's kind of cool to see your work printed in, in, in a magazine and they do use high quality paper and high quality ink. But the one thing I want to make sure you understand that all these magazines are, is they are one-off prints. The only people who buy them are photographers and models and makeup artists. They are not on newsstands anywhere. Nobody's buying them. So when you say that you've been published, do not use the P word uh, when you're in these magazines because you have not been published. You just had your work printed. You can say you've been printed. You can't say you've been published. Um, and so anyway, back to my story, uh, I get the, oh, you guys made the cover of this magazine. And I'm like, first of all, you don't get to these cover of these magazines without paying for it. They charge you like $100, $200, sometimes up to four or $500 Ooh. just to be on a cover. At, nope. My first magazine, I was published front cover. Well, congratulations. Yep. But I, I've, I've been published in, uh, published in these magazines too. It depends on how good your work is. Sometimes they will hook you up. I've been hooked up on these, but in general, they will accept pretty much any submission. And then what you'll do is they'll put you in like the artist edition. That's what they call it. They give it like a special, they, the, every month they put out like eight of the same magazine because they just do it based on the amount of submissions they have. And then they put the cream of the crop stuff at the top, but these still aren't sold on newsstands. So it's not like people are just going out and buying these. And so this, this, this um, model, we did our, we did our shoot and they reached out to me and I said, no, I don't give you permission. They said it was too late. And I was like, son of a bitch. I was, I, I was like, how, I was like, first of all, you're not a magazine because if you're an editor in chief for a real magazine, 
your whole job would be focused around clearing copyrights from photographers because photographers, the person who pushes the button, the shutter release, is the author of the image unless there's some sort of a contract stating otherwise. Sometimes you're hired for work to shoot something for a commercial shoot and you turn over the rights of your, your the images to the company. That's something you work out in a very complex contract. But you own your images. And so therefore you control what your images do and don't do. And these magazines know what they're doing. They're preying on women, and uh, ma mainly women. They prey on men too, but like they're preying on models. And they convince the models to submit the images, and then they get them printed, and then they charge them for a magazine, and they make their quick buck. And a real magazine knows how to clear copyrights, okay? And so when these magazines slide into your DMs, they're, they're not magazines. They're just dudes who are, you know – all their followers are fake. We've gotten we've we've gone into that ad nauseum in our in our Instagram episode. But anyway, so she made the cover of this magazine with web images that were seventy two, not three hundred, because I don't give three hundred to models because the files are huge. They're like you know fifty megabytes and up, and they don't know what to do with print images anyway. And if you're a photographer listening, um, you know you can't just take a web image and edit it for web and then go print it because your your shadows aren't going to look right. Your blacks aren't going to look right. You typically have to lighten your blacks up a little bit a lot of times when you do print. And and it's not going to look right for print. And so she submitted these web images uh, to a magazine. And I, you know, it, it kind of goes back to something I talked about in another episode where sometimes the best thing to do is nothing. I knew that she was getting a vanity magazine printed. I knew that she was going to get it. She's going to look at the pictures. They're going to look like garbage because they're going to look pixelated. And then she's going to be like, I made a serious mistake. And when she she even like said, oh, we got published. All I did was I hearted, I heart reacted, but then I didn't say anything else. She's never asked to work with me since. I never asked to work with her since. We went our separate ways. And that was my takeaway from that. Now, a much more exciting story is I also had a model who beforehand. So if you're a photographer listening, you should have a model sign a release with every single shoot you do, whether there's money being involved or not being involved. Both parties need to state what they want to do with the photos. If you're not doing that, you're you're an idiot, first of all, or you're inexperienced. But now that you've heard it in this episode, you need to go learn how a model release works. Because if you take a picture of somebody, you do you own those images, but what you can do with those images is limited without the model's release. Like you can't even put that stuff on Instagram without their permission. So if you take a picture of somebody and you put it on your Instagram and you don't have a release in place, they can technically tell you to take it down and you technically have to take it down without a release. So anyway, I have that before every shoot. Well, there's like this alternative model who wanted to do like this glow-in-the-dark paint shoot. And I was kind of reluctant to take the, the gig, but I was also going through a creative rut at the time. And I was like, sure. And she's like, but I'm an alternative model and I want to like sell these images after the fact. Like eight by tens, which I'm, I'm just like, you make money off that? Okay, whatever. So I'm like, okay, well then don't sign my release. Let's look at the images, and then afterwards we will hash out a contract where I will either license you the images for a set period of time, or you can do a copyright buyout altogether. And she's like, "Okay." So we did the we did the shoot, and I knew when the shoot was going on that I'm not putting these in my portfolio. This is not going the way I want it to. And I figured once she saw the images, she might kind of come to the same conclusion as well. So she sees the images, and she thinks they're amazing. <laughs> and and so she's like, all right, I'm I'm gonna I wanna like let's move forward. I, I've said okay, well if you wanna like sell your your likeness and all that, let's talk about the license or the copyright. And she's like, no, I own the copyrights. I'm like, come again? She's like, no, I own the copyrights. This is my concept. I came up with the concept of the of the glow in the dark paint. I own these copyrights, uh, and therefore you know I just need you to give me the images. <laughs> I'm just like. Uh, no, that's not how that works. Uh, that's not the way the law works. 
And uh, you cannot copyright an idea because if you did copyright and if you could copyright an idea, then I'm going to go ahead and copyright addition and subtraction. And every time people add and subtract things, they owe me money. Do you see how ridiculous that concept sounds? That's why you can't copyright an idea. You can, uh, you can, you can patent an idea that could become an invention one day. You can do that with ideas, but you can't do that. And she's like, well, I'm going to talk to my lawyer. And I said, you know what? I, I really want your lawyer to reach out to me and calling her bluff. I was like, I really want your lawyer to reach out to me because anybody who can pass a bar exam understands how co- the very basic principles of copyright works. And there's this back and forth for three weeks. And, and she's finally like, fine, how much do you want? And I'm like, I don't know. She didn't say how much do you want? She's like, I'll give you like a hundred dollars. And I just laughed. And I was like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you these images for a hundred dollars. You know me way more than that. And then she just blocked me. <laughs> That's the story, but classic. Yes. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was too enthralled with your story to, to actually remember one of my own, but no, thinking about that, uh, <laughs> I just, I just want to say for everyone out there, um, if you're working with a photographer and you ask them for the raw photos and you know, that's a no, no, and you're just trying to see if, if they're going to give them to you, uh, stop modeling as well yeah. as that. If yeah. you're working TFP with a photographer and you don't like the photos they sent you, um, don't put a filter on them and post them on Instagram and tag them. Instead, tell them or ask them, hey, can you change the look of this? And if you don't like the look of it and, you know, you've done all that, don't post the photos. Yeah, I mean, in my release, I actually have – so this here's a pro tip for you you photographers out there. And you really need to get in the habit of this. And I didn't come up with this concept, so I'm not taking any credit for it. I heard another photographer say this, and I'm passing this knowledge along to you. The very first time I ever work with a model – I say, hey, look, I have a release that you need to sign, and there's a bunch of legal mumbo-jumbo there, and that's the legal part of it. I want to have a human conversation with you about this release that you're about to sign. I want you to understand what you're signing. And so I have, I give them the bullet points. I say, look, I can't use your likeness without, your, without a signature, and that's what you're doing. I can't even post your images on my Instagram without your signature. But at the same time, if you're an OnlyFans model, which I typically don't work with, but if you have like an OnlyFans or you have stuff that you sell, you need to understand that you cannot make money off of these images that I'm taking. Okay, You're signing that. Additionally, uh, and I don't really do a lot of shoots like this, but if you do shoots where a model is partially nude or fully nude, you need to have an addendum in there saying the model understands that they are partially or fully nude in these images. Additionally, I have a, a protection in there for all models, regardless of the type of shoot it is. It says I cannot use the images on any site, sites that feature or any places that feature pornography. So it's like a protection for the model. So they're like, oh, yeah, you're not going to start like a freaking Pornhub site in my name or something like that. Uh, I, I have a human conversation with them about that so they understand what the legal mumbo jumbo is but i have a youtube channel and i tell every mom like look i have a youtube channel and i break down my work that's that's what my selling point on my youtube channel is is that people hear me enthusiastically talk about my work and guess what i'm going to use images i took of you on there so you're going to be on my youtube channel so when you're signing this you're understanding that i am making money off my youtube channel using your likeness i don't pull any punches there i'm like this is what's up this is what we're doing that way, you know, I've never, I've only had one model who's just like, I need to like really review this. Most of them are like, yeah, that's fine. They just, just everybody, all parties need to state what they're doing with the images before they do something with the images. Yeah. I had this one shoot, dude. It was my first nude shoot. I was new to photography. I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, it, the shoot went really well. The colors came out really great. And it was, it was like, it, it was really cool. The, the, the shoot itself. However, the model, um, even though the nude shoot was her idea, it was a train wreck because 
So we showed up at the location, her and her boyfriend are there, and you can kind of tell that they're, they look a little drifter-y, you know? The model looked amazing, you know, she looked in good health, but she was kind of like dating a guy that was more or less kind of felt like he was living out of his van. Um, so we get to this location under an overpass, um, and it's it's sort of like a... Uh, what, what was the style of the shoot? Like, like super baggy parachute pants with, with thick black boots, kind of like a, a Romany sort of gypsy style shoot. And I'm uh, sorry if the, the word gypsy is offensive to you. I don't really care. And so we did that style of shoot and it was time for her to get topless and her boyfriend's there and everything. And we're getting ready to take the photos. And before she gets topless, she, she runs over to her bag and pulls out three vodka minis. And starts downing them in front of me and her boyfriend like it's no big deal. And you can you can tell that as she's downing them, she's starting to get like visibly shaky because she's so nervous to be nude. And that was my first nude shoot. And I'm just thinking in my mind, like I'm an inexperienced shooter. I'm just going like, oh my God, did I do like, should we not be doing this? Yeah, I have a I have a no substances policy on my shoots because the and, and you know, this is inexperienced. And, and you know, the thing is, is I'm of the opinion that you can walk away from my shoot and not like my photography and I'll be a big boy about it and I'll be fine. But what you cannot do is you cannot walk away from my shoot saying, yeah, I was kind of in this doorway and I felt like he pushed me through this doorway. Maybe I regretted later. It's like, fuck no, I didn't like, I won't. I, and, and if you start, if I start letting you get hammered on my set and I, I, I you know, I don't shoot a lot of that kind of stuff, but if it, if it kind of ventures into the, like, Oh, I want to do something where like I'm covering myself up with my hands and I'm partially, you know, I'm, I'm topless or whatever. It's like, I let that originate and come from the model so it's like, hey, it was their idea. It wasn't my idea. But at the same time, if I start seeing them down three vodkas, I'm be like, time out. Like, like, no way, man. Like, even with your boyfriend here, no way. This is weird. And of course, in those situations, like, that's one of the reasons why I work in a public studio where I'm around a bunch of people. Like, I'm in a public space. Like, I want a safe space for people to work. And, and, and you know, that's, that's true for models. Like, I, I mean, I know a lot of people, they work out of their garage and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, if I'm a, a model, especially like a female model and I'm doing something like that, I would want to be in a place where I feel safe. Yeah. Plus, like as dudes, it's important to understand that women see the world a little bit differently in terms of vulnerability. A lot a bit differently. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Like, you know, you could be you could be wrapping up a shoot at 10 p.m. in a studio downtown and you walk in, you know, three minutes to your car. No big deal for them. There might be something on their mind and you have to be like aware of that sort of stuff. Same with like where you're shooting nude stuff. If it's just you and them in a place that's kind of like not public, you have to be aware that they might have some thoughts on their mind that are that, you know, they're unsure about. You have to make sure that they're comfortable and probably not shoot at a location like that in the first place. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like let's just say you have a pie chart of the things that is going through a model's mind. If even one percent of it is, am I going to get sexually assaulted here? They, you probably Then you don't have their full attention uh, for the shoot. Right. And so you want to create safe spaces to work in if you're working with a model. And that I mean, I'm not even talking about just to, just and this is even like nude shoots. This is just shooting in general they could be it could be a fashion shoot you know you're borrowing clothes for a, a fashion shoot like in general like just be smart about how you work and think try to think like especially if you have a woman model think how think how she's thinking and think if you create a good environment for them to work in because if 
you see even a little bit of hesitation in their eyes because they're wondering if they're going to walk out of this place alive, you're going to have a shitty shoot. Like the shoot's ruined at that point. Like you have to, you, you, if you cannot get them to be in their character for a shoot, you've already, you've already lost it. Yeah. And maintain communication while you're doing it. If you see something's up, don't just assume that it's not about you because it could be about you because you don't know what they're experiencing. Yeah. And I, I typically, like one of the reasons why I like to work with the same models over and over again is because we have that rapport mm. and you know, if he's just like, Hey, I've never worked with you before. Let's do some more risque stuff. It's like, you know, I, I, I very much as a man caution you, uh, if you're a man listening, a male photographer, yeah. but, but you know what? It's not just limited to that. I actually know a photographer and I'm not going to name names, but I know a w- woman photographer in our town who makes their woman subjects be very uncomfortable on set has a very bad reputation for it and so you know i know i'm talking we're just talking about it from the perspective of a guy but women photographers can have shitty etiquette too women photographers can be possessive women photographers can make women feel uncomfortable and that's a thing i've actually witnessed speaking of women making people feel uncomfortable dude i went on one shoot right and there's there's this model who reached out to me on facebook and they're just like you know i used to model i want to get back into it so we get to, we arrive on location. She's got her kid in her car playing on a, playing on like a Nintendo DS or something like that. This is about seven, six, seven years ago. And we get, like, we get out of the car. We walk the two minutes away from the car into like the wilderness a little bit to the, to the set, to the, to the location. I did a lot of wilderness shoots back then. And it's, it's 106 degrees because it's 5.45 PM in the middle of July in Texas. And so I'm sweating. I've got my classic black on black attire because that's just what I wear to shoots normally and halfway through the shoot you know it's going all right I'm trying to figure stuff out and and I just like I just mumble to myself I'm like god it's fucking hot out here and she goes without skipping a beat she goes why don't you take your shirt off Ooh. and I'm just like I, I wasn't it what it wasn't like an uncomfortability it was just a like Oh God, you're, you're one of these, like, you know, just get, get in your car and fuck off. You know, yeah, like, pretty much. God. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Etiquette. And speaking of etiquette, if you're a male listening to this, never tell a model she's hot. Never tell a model she's sexy and watch, watch what you say around them because it can, if you give them even a 1% chance of doubt of your character, you've already gone too far and you've messed up. So just be mindful of that. And then <clears throat> one thing I also want to talk about in terms of safety uh, if you're a model out there listening to this, is there are a lot of photographers out there who take great pictures who are terrible people. Um, <clears throat> so I actually, in my town, I actually know of a handful of male photographers. They're all, well, I already said one female photographer, but I, I keep tabs on them. So I don't, I don't block these photographers on Instagram, but I'm also not friends with them because I don't want people to think I'm their friend. But I, I keep tabs on them. And just a little bonus tip is one of the cool, unique things about the collaboration post on Instagram is that you both get notifications when people like your stuff. And so the MOIC of a lot of creepy photographers is what they'll do is they'll like like 20 of your posts in a row and then start sliding in your DMs. But I see the notifications too. And they're like, oh, they're creeping on this model. And so I know who they are. And so I get the notification they're, 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 they're about to slide in the model's DMs. And so I'll just give them a friendly, hey, I just want to let you know I saw this guy like 12 of your posts in a row. This guy has been known to be inappropriate on set with models. I just want to give you a head up, heads up on that. And so uh, that's something that I've learned to do over the years is, you know, I don't, I don't keep, I don't, I don't want to use the term, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Cause I don't want to make it look like I'm close to these people. I'm definitely not close to these people, but I know 
I, I kind of know what they are, they're up to and they don't know that I know about them. So it's kind of a cool way I can help protect models that, you know, I'm like, Hey, just want to let you know this guy's creepy as hell. And he's sliding into your DMS. Oh yeah. They get a lot of creepy. Uh, I used to shoot a lot of gay male models because, um, when I was learning, cause they model, well. because <laughs> let's just call a spade a spade. <laughs> they model. Yeah. They model really well. And I've, I've shot a, uh, I shot a decent amount of nude gay guys and like most of them are, you know, just awesome dudes, you know, cracking jokes. Like at the end of the day, you know, you just, just two dudes hanging out. Right. Like when it comes down to it, but man, like sometimes you'll get, you'll get some gay models that like, they'll just say the most nasty, like inappropriate <laughs> shit to you on Instagram that makes you feel uncomfortable. And you'll be like, Oh my God. So, so what you're saying at the end of the day, guys are still guys, no matter what they're into. <laughs> Dude. Well, it, yeah, no, for real. And it's just like. That's a really great way of putting it because it's like locker room talk, but it's like sexually directed at me and it's really not chill. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember like, I, you okay, know, wait, I just want to like one example and like, it's, this is kind of vile, but it's just, I have to like, I just have to share, like I took, I, I shot this one guy who later uh, reached out to a modeling agency and the modeling agency reached out to me to like vet him. And this guy, after I gave him his photos he literally said, like, Brandon, I want to have your kids. And I was just like, dude, what the fuck? And he, like, it's like, I'm sure he didn't mean anything by it. It's like gay culture. And it's just like, you know, like, they're, like, super sexual. And they don't think about it, right? But for me at the time, I was just like, dude, that is so not chill. Like, it, it felt awful. I mean, you know, it is, it is, oh, it's, it's, I, I mean, I grew up in North Texas. And, like, I think there was one out gay person at my high school. I mean, dude, I grew up in a much different time, you know, <laughs> like, the, people didn't even refer to gay people as gay people when I was growing up. They, a lot of them used the F word. I'm like, okay, we don't use that word anymore. But, um, you know, that's, that's something I've had to evolve on over the years. Cause just like, I, you know, it's, it's the, you're ignorant about something until you're around it. And then I, I ended up in college in the theater dorm and guess, guess what? Like half the dudes are who are in theater, they're gay. So, uh, I all of a sudden started to find myself around more gay men. And was, you know, like I was going on a date with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. And uh, this guy was like, Hey, how to look. And he's like, Ooh, you look amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you know, when I was younger, I would have been like, what the fuck dude. But I was like, I laughed and I was like, thanks dude. And then I went out on a date now I'm married to her. So it all worked out. He, I must've looked good that day. Cause now, and I have two kids with her. So, uh, right but on. yeah, so fun times. Uh, well, I think I think we've covered this, and I think we could. I, mean, I think we have different parts to this episode, and I want to do another episode down the road. I want to have a model or two in our studio, and I want to talk about photographers from their perspective and what they're looking for in photographers. So that way, we can continue on this subject. I really do think that this could be multiple parts. So, uh, but that does it for today's episode. Um, I think that we covered quite a bit on models uh usually our episodes are an hour and we went an hour and a half solid today and i still think we could have found a lot of stuff to talk about so we're just getting started oh yeah so we're gonna have uh, some episodes coming up here soon with some guests we're gonna do an episode on how to grow as a photographer which is a subject that's near and dear to both me and brandon's hearts as artistic creatives uh so yeah stay tuned on that uh you can you can check us out on all the major platforms itunes spotify etc uh check us out at f11 pod i'm sorry not f11 pod f11.com no it is f11pod.com f11 pod yeah i forgot the own i forgot the domain that i bought but anyway until next time chase light not algorithms we'll see you soon thank you for listening to today's episode 
For more information about this podcast, go to www.f11pod.com.